Lord God, now we pray that you are the word. And I pray that as we explore your word today and meditate it with our hearts and minds, that you would draw us closer to you. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Pastor Max Lucado tells a story that his wife found an app on a phone that if you hold the phone in front of your face, it would guess your age. (laughs) When she held the phone in front of her face, it missed her age by 15 years to the lower end. She was thrilled. When he held the phone up, it guessed that he was five years older than it really was. So he tried again. Then it was seven years older than he really was. He tried a third time, and he was 10 years older, says the app. He said, I put it down before it declared me dead. (laughs) Friends, if we had an app on our phones, and if we held it up, maybe not to our faces, but to our hearts, what would it tell us about how centered we are with Jesus? What would that app, if there is really an app for that, what would that tell us about our relationship, being connected with Jesus? That might be scary for us to think about. I know it was for me. But we have been looking these past weeks of what it means to be on mission together as God's people. Do you know the mission of Good Shepherd Presbyterian Church? Do you know it? Say it after me. Invite all people people to grow into into a Christ-centered life in God's family. family. Invite all people to grow into a Christ-centered life in God's family. And as we have mentioned several times, the last two years have been just a little bit crazy. Amen? And what does it mean to be on mission, to invite people, all people, to grow into a Christ-centered life in God's family? So we have reflected these past weeks how first, if we know Jesus, how Jesus drew us into his family and who played a part. Does a person, several people, come to mind? How we were invited to Jesus. We've also explored that now we're called to invite others to him. We have a mission. We have a purpose. We have a calling. We paused and asked, now who might those people be? Who might those people be that God is calling us to invite to come and see? And last week, it's a very important question. What are we inviting people to? Who are we inviting people to experience, to explore, to get to know, to commit their life to? And so this week, if there is an answer, it is Jesus. It's that Christ-centered life. And as we pause, and as we think through the scriptures, there's many that might be able to help us understand what it means to have a Christ-centered life. 
Well, for a few minutes this morning, we're going to explore John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Now, let me just set a context briefly for us, because this is important. This is in Jesus's final days before the cross. Jesus has washed his disciples' feet. He calls out Judas, his betrayer, and dismisses him. He comforts his disciples. He promises the Holy Spirit, and he promises most of all the gift of his peace, a peace that is not of this world. And then Jesus, in this discourse, we reach John chapter 15. After all of this, days away from the cross, we hear these words from John chapter 15, and this morning I'm going to be reading the first 17 verses. So for some of you, this may be a familiar passage. For others, this may be new. But I'm just going to read this to you, and I pray that God's Spirit would just allow it to soak into your hearts and into your minds. Let's listen to God's word together, the words of Jesus to each of us this morning. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 6. If you, remain, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And now in verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit 
that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Friends, God's word to us today. You know, and I think there's two major parts, two major parts that I want us to think about this morning. And the first one is this. Jesus invites his disciples to make their home with him and pray. I love that translation, to make their home with him. Dr. Dale Bruner turned me on to that. It means the same thing as what? Remain, to stick with, to abide. But what does it mean to make our home with Jesus? Jesus invites us to live with him. Jesus invites us to hang out with him. Is that pretty cool? Jesus invites us into his presence. What an honor. What does it mean to make home with Jesus? To make space and room in our lives with Jesus. I had to think about this story when I, when I came across that translation. I was married just a few months. And I was doing my downtown Pittsburgh accounting thing. And Jean was doing a lot more harder work trying to teach elementary school kids she was home before that, me that day, and I came up our townhome stairs, and thank goodness she already had a great dinner gone. She comes out of the kitchen, and I meant this as a compliment, and I'm just not a good wordsmith. I said, Jean, you look so homely. <laughs> Some of you know your adjectives, right? I meant it as a compliment. She looked at me. <laughs> I meant to say, I feel so at home here. This is awesome. I didn't sleep on the couch that night either. But, but what does it mean to be in that type of environment with Jesus, right? To, to make home with, to be invited into his life. Where will we live? Homemaking with Jesus yields abundant fruitfulness. That's what the scripture tells us. As we live with Jesus, the fruit of the Spirit will come out. If we live with Jesus, the passage that Catherine read for us will be true. If we live with Jesus... If we make our home with Jesus, what a gracious, gracious invitation that is. And you know what? God's grace through Jesus has already preceded us. It precedes our saying yes to Jesus. His love prompts our response. He has already turned his life towards us and invites us to make home with him, to remain with him. As we hear in the book of Revelations chapter 3, look, I stand at the door and knock. When every one of you hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in so that you can be with 
me. We make home with Jesus. We go up to God and worship here at Good Shepherd, don't we? Author Mike Breen says, our up relationship is how we abide with him, is how we make home with him, is how we connect with him. As his disciples, we are to model our lives after our master. We, the branches, must abide in him, the vine, if we are to produce the fruit that John 15 talks about. Our efforts are worthless if we do not have the up in our lives. We will be fruitless without it. There is no other way. So we come in and we go up to God and worship. We make home with Jesus. And I pray that we would bear the fruit of the Spirit. Some of you may know this passage from Galatians chapter 5, but just what does this fruit look like? What does the fruit of the Spirit look like? Paul reminds us the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep step with the Spirit. As we go up to God in worship, as we make home with Jesus, we're keeping in step with the Spirit. As God leads us, as God helps us, as God enables us. The second thing this morning that I think we need to be reminded about is that also Jesus invites his disciples to be centered around his love command. Did you hear love mentioned in that passage this morning? And pray. To be centered around his love command and pray. First and foremost, we need to know that we are loved with a love that is out of this world. That is beyond human comprehension. And as we stay connected to the vine, as we abide with him, as we remain with him, as we stick with Jesus, because he first loved us, that love is going to flow out and impact others. And because we're grateful that Jesus first loved us, he directs us, he commands us, he challenges us to love one another. Did you hear the love commands in the scripture today? The father loved Jesus. So Jesus loves his disciples. The disciples are to love Jesus back. And then the disciples are also to love one another. The father loves the son. The son loves the disciples. The disciples love the son. And then as disciples, we're also to love one another. That's what being connected to the vine, being centered in Jesus is really all about, not for our glory, but for the blessing and benefit of others and to the glory of God the Father. In 
and being connected to the vine friends, being able to love one another, isn't without challenge. And Jesus says it will not be. There's pruning involved. Who loves to be pruned, right? <laughs> Molded and shaped. He is the potter and we are the clay. The rough edges all the time. It hurts. It's hard. It's challenging. And yet I think of Jesus, the perfect one, the Son of God, going to the cross of Calvary. The ultimate sense of being pruned and cut and killed. And yet, did death hold him? Did death hold him in the grave? Absolutely not. Because he broke the power of sin and death, he lives so that we can live also and we can have hope that in the midst of our pruning, in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of being molded and shaped, that God knows best. And out of that, we can love him deeper and we will be able to love others deeper. The love of Jesus knows no bounds. In a recent survey of 750 Muslims who converted to Christianity, there's two things that really stuck out in response of why they converted to Christianity to me. The first, they said, why we converted was the lifestyle of Christians. Former Muslims cited that the love, of, the love that Christians exhibited in their relationship with non-Christians and their treatment of women as equals. It impacted these Muslims. Something's different here with this love of God. And secondly, the second most thing that impacted them as to why they're followers of Jesus today is that the biblical teachings that they explored around the love of God. In the Quran, God's love is conditional. But God's love for all people was especially eye-opening for Muslims. These converts were moved by the love expressed through the life and teachings of Jesus. And you know what the next steps were for many of these Muslims? was to become a part of a fellowship of loving Christians. Because they wanted to be connected to this love. They wanted to be connected to Jesus. And to live that out and to explore that with others. So never discount the love that has captured you and the love that God calls us to give to others. As you make deposits into the lives of others. God can take that offering, even in the midst of pruning, even in the midst of being molded and shaped. The love that God has first loved us with is a love that we're to give and share in word and deed with others. God will take that offering, bless it, and do far more abundantly than we could ever ask or imagine. came across a quote this week that I want to leave you with today. It's from Thomas Akempis. Have any of you ever heard of Thomas Akempis? Have you been recently reading from the 14th century? <laughs> 
he wrote a little devotional classic called The Imitation of Christ. It has more editions and has been translated into more languages than any other book except the Bible. Bible's still number one. But Thomas Akempis was born in Germany in the 14th century. He lived most of his life in the Netherlands. He served in a monastery called the Brethren of the Common Life, a community that was dedicated to learning, teaching, and caring for the poor. And this is how Thomas Akempis begins the imitation of Christ. Anyone who follows me shall not walk in darkness, says the Lord. These are the words of Christ, and by them we are reminded that we must imitate his life and his ways if we are to be truly enlightened and set free from the darkness of our own hearts. Let it be the most important thing we do to reflect on the life of Jesus Christ. And he goes on. Christ's teaching surpasses all the teachings of the saints. And the person who has his spirit will find hidden nourishment in his words. Yet many people, even after hearing scripture read so often, lack a deep longing for it, for they do not have the spirit of Christ. Anyone who wishes to understand Christ's words and to savor them fully should strive to become like him in every way. That really convicted me this week. And that's only the first two paragraphs. And yet there is no way without the help of the Holy Spirit and being grafted into the vine, making a home with Jesus, that we even begin to live out that statement, that mission, or here more close to home to invite all people to grow into a Christ-centered life in God's family. We need to be centered and connected in Jesus. You see, friends, in John chapter 15, Jesus was preparing his followers for the ministry and mission ahead. It wasn't going to be easy for Jesus, and it wasn't going to be easy for them. And they needed to stay connected to the vine. Every branch to be healthy, Jesus said, needed to be pruned. And if you weren't willing to hang out with Jesus... You needed to be removed and cut off because the branch loses sight or interest of the true source of strength. Friends, we can't do it alone. It's not for our glory to be centered in Jesus. It's for the blessing of others and to bring God glory. And so I leave you with this this morning. Healthy branches are a little rough on the edges. Look around. We're all rough on the edges. But we need God's help to remain healthy, and that involves pruning. God's word tells us we've been cleansed, we've been forgiven from head to toe, and by God's grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, we can become children of God. Let's pray this morning and ask God to just keep us connected in him, in Christ alone. Lord Jesus, we want to be 
healthy branches. We want to remain healthy branches. And we know that means we need to be firmly connected to the true source of your love, of your grace, your mercy, and forgiveness. And that's in you, Lord Jesus, and in you alone. And as Galatians tells us, we pray that we would be able to keep in step with the Spirit. Help us to do so every day that you give us. And help us to grow into that deeper, more intimate, Christ-centered life than ever before. Because you live, we can live also. And we give you all the glory and thanks in praise. As we open our hands, as we open our hearts, and as we become more attentive, that we are on mission to invite all people to grow into a Christ-centered life in your family. May we all make a home with you today and every day that you give us. We pray it in your precious name and God's people say,